Good morning, everyone. I want to show you a character, all right? I'm sure you'll recognize this character. Get bits out. <laughs> Spider-Man, okay? For those people who are not sure, Spider-Man. Spider-Man's costume. All right, Spider-Man's helmet. I haven't got a, an adult one to put on, but Spider-Man. Now, my grandson, who's three and a half, um, was recently given this Spider-Man outfit and um, this model of Spider-Man. And I asked him yesterday, actually, it just came to me, I asked him yesterday, why do you like Spider-Man? Why do you like Spider-Man? And his reply was, because he goes upside down and swings from building to buildings, like the gymnastics, like in gymnastics. He is brave because he swings upside down and he grabs people with his web to keep them safe. And I thought, has he got prophecy <laughs> in him? <laughs> because just as Spider-Man grabs people to keep them safe, with his web, and he does it, and he, he sort of grabs people, keeps them safe. He's brave, and he's swinging upside down. God grabs us. Um, but he uses us, people, to grab people, to keep them safe, to help them, and to encourage them. All right? So it's a, just a little picture for you to see. And I thought, that's a bit prophetic, George. <laughs> so, anyway, we're going to do it. Right, today... We're going to be carrying on in um, uh, looking at Acts um, and about pastoring with the Holy Spirit. And um, we're going to be looking at three areas, identity, encouragement, understanding that boldness comes from being in the presence of God. And the fourth one, which is not really an area, but looking at worldly boldness and spiritual boldness. So that's what I'm intending to do today. Now, last week, Nathan, if you happen to be here, heard him talk from um, Acts 3. I've just got to settle myself. I'm getting there slowly. I'm just <laughs> it was a year ago that I did this, so I haven't really been practiced, so it was a year ago. To the day, actually. Um, I thought it was the 11th. Um, he spoke about look at us, and he was talking about Peter and um, John going to the temple and healing the, uh, the lame man who'd been lame for 40 years, actually been there for 40 years, and he'd healed them. During that time, lots of people came. They were astonished by this because it had never been seen before. They came, and they wanted to know what was going on. And in that time, roughly, he spoke the gospel to them, told them what Jesus had done. So that's basically a very quick summe of what Nathan said. But he said, it, look at us, and I suggest you look at that. Listen to that if you haven't listened to it. Now, I'm going to quickly move on to chapter 4. Um, whilst he was talking, um, the chief priests and the chief of the police was, um, who was responsible for the maintenance of law and order in the temple, um, and he was sort of had a rank which was second to the high priest arrests Peter and John, all right? He comes and arrests them, and he throws them in prison overnight. Now, first of all, this must have been quite frightening, really, if you think about it. Peter had seen what had happened to Jesus, all right? He had seen 
the treatment that he had had. So I bet he was pretty unsure of what was going to happen to him. Was it going to be history repeating itself? Now, what happens is the next day, the rulers of that's the, um, the Sanhedrin, which can sort of consisted of 71 members, came, met in Jerusalem, and amongst that 71 were also people, also the leaders that had condemned Jesus as well. So if you bear that in mind, not a good place to be really, is it? Sort of confronted by the same people. And they asked Jesus... No, they asked Peter and John, by what power or, why, or what name did you heal this man? And obviously you get some Peter, who's suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks to them, telling them, it is in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom they crucified, by whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before them healed. Now, Peter and John are not concerned about their defense. They don't defend themselves, but they honor and glorify God. Right? They don't defend themselves. They honor and glorify God and the Lord. In that moment of need, right? Peter was in need then. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, which was also a fulfillment of the promise that the words of wisdom would be given to those of them whenever they were brought to trial, which is in Luke 21, 12. It's not up there, but that's what he did. So he goes on, and he moves from the healing, and he starts talking about salvation with quite a lot of ease, because the Holy Spirit's allowed him to do that. Now, this is the next verse is one of the ones that uh, I'm going to be using to speak on. It's Acts 4, 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that we were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So, eventually, after some deliberation by the rulers, they were released, and the only thing they could do was to command and warn Peter and John not to speak in this name. They don't even say Jesus' name. They say this name, all right? Now, both Peter and John consider the, the situation, and um, they sort of give a nice little spirited reply. I think I'd get out of there as soon as possible, think, oh, I've had enough, let's go, I've got my freedom. But no, they turn around and say... What is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. All right. Following further threats, they eventually let them go. And once they were released, they went back to their friends, um, relatives in Christ, and... um, They prayed. They told them what had happened, and they prayed. They pray a prayer that is firstly centered on the divine sovereignty of the God as creator, the one who made heaven and earth, then on the God of revelation, who spoke by the Holy Spirit through David. In Psalm 2, you'll find that. 
And thirdly, to the God of history, who caused his enemies to do what he had already planned. All right? That's how they see their God. They continue by asking God to consider the threats made against them and for his servants to speak, for them to speak boldly. And that he would stretch out his hand to heal and perform miracles, signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. And then in verse 31, which is another bit I'm going to use, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They prayed for boldness, for they knew they needed it at that time. Boldness came to them, one, because they worshipped God and exalted who he was. Two, they knew that what Jesus had done for them. And three, they knew his love for them and they loved him. Boldness was one of the first characteristics that the Holy Spirit actually demonstrates in Acts. Okay, it was one of the first ones. I've got a dictionary definition of boldness, but I'm sure most of you know boldness as a dictionary, so I'm not going to read it out. But it says a bold hero, okay, was part of this definition, but I'm not going to read that out. Um, some people have recently said to me, you're very bold to bring some of the words that you have up front. Believe me, it's not easy. Um, some people have said, you've been very open and you've shown courage. You know, because some of the things have been quite difficult to share. They've been personal and they've, you know, really been deep. But I've really felt them, that God wanted me to share them. So I've shared them. Um, because I know God wants to encourage other people. Oh, he wants to move people on. He wants to heal people. He wants to see people become whole and set free. But it was never like that to start with, okay? I might do it now, but it was never like that to start with. When we first moved to Chertsey, um, we were in a little group, but we also had a shop. I'm going right back to when we owned a coffee shop called the Oasis across the road, all right? Going right back as far as that. Now, the elders at that time decided occasionally, oh, thank goodness it was occasionally, to have outreach meetings. Now, these could be at Abbey Fields, they could be outside Sainsbury's, Sainsbury's were there, they could be down by the river for baptisms. Wherever they were, I hated them. I hated going. I can see Jean smiling there. She remembers me panicking, don't you? I absolutely hated doing these things. Um, I just didn't want to participate. I just felt I couldn't do it. And because of that, I started to feel a failure. I felt I started to feel guilty. Oh, I should be doing this. Oh, God, you know, oh, Jesus, I'm letting you down. I'm not standing up. I'm not doing... All this guilt was being poured on me, and I thought, I can't do it. I was afraid. And one of the reasons I was afraid was I was also a teacher, locally. So I came across lots of children that I taught, I came across parents that I taught, and, you know, they knew me, and I, I suppose I got a bit embarrassed if I'd have been there, you know, I don't want them to see me, you know, so there's a bit of embarrassment in that as well. 
Um, and I think at the time, I was probably more concerned about my performance, all right, than I was about what God wanted me to do. And I was also very good at listening to lies. You know, things that uh, made me say, oh, you're not clever. You're not very good at doing that. Why should you do that? You know, I was very good at doing that, actually. Not so good. But since then, God has worked in me. And I've been able to see my identity not in who I am or what I do, but being a daughter of God's kingdom. And Phil Wilsew, in one of his books, has written, um, who I believe I am dictates how I behave. Right? Who I believe I am dictates how I behave. Now, we need to understand that all that we must... All the, I can't read this because I've, I've, <laughs> I've done so much scribbling across my notes, I can't read it. Um, we need to understand that all that we do must now flow out of who we are and whose we are. Those who believe that they are still slaves carry on acting like slaves. Sons, however, are free to grow up and become like the father. All right? So we are free to come, become like the father and do the things the father does. Now, Romans um, 8, verses 14 to 16. It should have come up, yeah? For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. All right? Through the grace of God, we have a new identity in him. Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to be with us. We need to live in him and know what the Holy Spirit loves us to do. The Holy Spirit loves it when we live out of our new identity. Paul in Ephesians 4 urges us to walk in a manner which we have been called also to love out of that identity in Christ. All we think do comes out of love. The Holy Spirit loves it when people live out of who they are now are in him. The Holy Spirit also doesn't like us bad-mouthing ourselves. You know what I mean by bad-mouthing. Oh, I'm fat. Oh, I could do with losing some weight. Oh, you beat yourselves up. He doesn't like us doing that, all right? He doesn't like us doing that because we are a new identity in him. We don't need to do that. We are who we are. Something changes when we live out of our identi new identity. Something in us changes. We become courageous and bold. Now, I have... <laughs> Terrible trouble with my feet, all right? And in my wardrobe, I've got a drawer which has got loads of shoes in it, 
okay? But I still like wearing an old pair of shoes that I get quite comfy with, actually. I haven't got them on today because I thought I'd better be a bit more respectable. <laughs> These are the pair of shoes I like wearing. As you see, the bow has come off. I have sewn this on a few times, but this is my comfortable pair of shoes, which I love to wear. Right? Very comfortable, very good. But I do happen to have my wardrobe more than three pairs of shoes, probably four pairs of new shoes. But I don't put them on. I don't wear them. Because when I have to put on a new pair of shoes, I have to work them in, and, they, and it hurts. It, you know, I do try to buy comfortable shoes. Believe me, I try to buy comfortable shoes. But it hurts to get used to a new pair of shoes. Now, it would be far easier to put these on all the time, but I know I'm going to eventually have to wear my new shoes. Now, it's a bit like that with um, the Holy Spirit. Our new identity is like taking off the old shoes because they're comfortable, and that's what we were like, and what's that's the old stuff, and putting on the new shoes. And we have to learn to work with the Holy Spirit, working with him, and those becomes comfortable, and we move into things that he wants us to do. Do you see what I'm trying to say? It's not... So we take off the old shoes, and we want to put on the new shoes because we want to move into what he wants us to do. Now, Peter and John worked with the Holy Spirit causing the, uh, the Sanhedrin to be astonished at what they could do. Now, if we work with the Holy Spirit, we can astonish people at what he can do, what Jesus can do. Let's get it right. <laughs> One of the greatest obstacles to courage is fear of failure. All right. How many of you are afraid of fear of failure? Because I definitely am. <laughs> now, Meg tells me that in Japan, people have traditionally been raised to believe failure is bad. Okay, it's changing slightly, but that's what they've been traditionally said. And this often happens in our country too. People say failure is bad. But in the kingdom of God, there is no growth without failure. Okay, no growth without failure. The way God defines success is so different to the way we do. We measure outcomes. He measures obedience. All right? I'll say that again because that's important. We measure outcomes. He measures obedience. To grow, we need to have a go. All right? To grow, we need to have a go. Now, I want to honour Lisa. Now, I'm not going to make Lisa stand up because she was saying, she's a fairly new Christian. I've already had a word that she's quite happy with this. You're happy with this, Lisa. You're happy. <laughs> um, she never prayed out aloud before. And when she was encouraged um, by Keith, by me and some others, and Steph, and because she'd sort of seen others model it a little bit, she stepped out 
and she prayed for Gary. I'm afraid, I'm sorry you missed her out on your list. Um, prayed for Gary, who was in great pain, <laughs> great pain at Catalyst. Um, and obviously, as Gary's testifying, God answered that prayer. He was healed. So well done, Lisa, for being bold. Well done for stepping out. And God measures her obedience. He's really pleased with that. That's brilliant. Okay, keep it up. All right? <laughs> um, now, going back to Peter and, and John in the jail, I expect they encouraged each other. Because if I'd have been in there, I don't think I would have been sitting there waiting, thinking, I think I'd, you know, I think I'd be worried about what's going to happen. I bet they encouraged each other. I bet they brought out promises that they'd heard about Jesus. I bet they sang songs to each other and said, come on, we can do this. It'll be all right. God's going to be in this. I'm pretty sure they would have encouraged each other. Um, Encouragement means giving courage to one another to fight battles we can't do ourselves. All right? Encouragement to others can also be prophetic because it builds people up. Phil Wilthew, in his book Developing Prophetic Cultural, writes, When we encourage, we create environments in which God is present in a powerful way. When we choose to understand, we are speaking prophetically into people's lives of the very way God views things from his divine vantage point. This is important because there is nothing more uplifting than someone else acknowledging that you, what you do or are and, call, and calling you out of your brilliance. Sorry, I've read this wrong. I'm sorry to say that again. There is... This is important because there is nothing more uplifting than someone else acknowledging what you do or, and, and calling out that brilliance in you in front of others. There's nothing more uplifting. If you're quite honest, that's quite uplifting. And I've noticed like at, when we go to Bedford Arms, they do quite a lot of... When people come to talk, they acknowledge them, they acknowledge what they do, they, they, and they build them up. And Phil Wilthew has sort of said, you know... Oh, is that me? Am I going to speak? And he, and he said he just felt the power of the Holy Spirit on him to sort of go on and, and speak in an amazing way because it's given him that boost. But it's not a proud boost. Don't get me wrong. It's not pride. It's something inside which is confirming it. Now, we see evidence of this in the Bible if we look I was going to go through some characters, but I'm actually going to cut that out, I think, unless the next bit fails, and then I'm going to quickly put it in. Um, we see evidence of this in the Bible with Gideon. All right, there was a prophetic word with him. Joshua, Peter, and Paul. was encouraged by Barnabas, all right? They were all things, prophetic encouragement, so it's evident in the Bible. Now... This is a thing on boldness, right? <laughs> I have on my notes, I could, I could do a cheat here, I could either give you the bits in blue that are all underlined here, or I have a circle thing here which says, call out people to encourage the steps 
in, step in boldness. All right? Now, this is me having to be bold. All right? So I'm kind of nervous in the tummy here. I'll explain what I'm trying to do. I'm a bit nervous in the tummy. But I want to be obedient. And first of all, when I was preparing this, there were lots of things going through in my head. I thought, oh, I could do that, I could do that, do that. But I want to do what God wants me to do. So if I fail, this is heroic failure. All right? This is going to be heroic failure. Um, and I'm just going to step out. This is boldness, okay? We are stepping out in boldness here. Heavenly Father, I just ask for you just to come. Come now, Lord God, and um, Lord, I'm stepping out in heroic boldness just to, sh to show this point of encouragement to you. And I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you just help me in that, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd prepped up two people to use. <laughs> I said I might call them. But neither of them are here today. I wonder why. <laughs> Wait till I see them. <laughs> so, okay. This is not to embarrass anybody. Okay, this is not to embarrass anybody. And I'm trying very hard to do this on not what I know of people, all right? I'm, I'm explaining how I'm doing this so that you can sort of see how it sort of goes along at the same time. Barney. Okay. Actually, no, before I go to you, is there anybody who's got a black cat with a red collar? Anybody got a black cat with a red collar? Going, going, gone, good. That's one heroic failure down. Right. Um, Barney, um, I want to encourage you because I have seen you grow in the most amazing way over the last year. I have seen you moving out of something that you thought was where you were going into other areas. I've seen your seen the way you have served in different ways. And the Lord wants to say to you, he has seen your heart of service. He has seen that you love him deeply. He wants you to continue to run after him. He wants you to get in his presence. He wants you to be saturated with his Holy Spirit, to move on in the things that he has for you, the destiny he has for you. He wants to see that gifts you have that gift of music that you bring up, that gift of leading. But there are other things that you yet do not know you have. He wants you to start being released in those. He wants you to go for it by staying in his presence. But he is pleased that you moved on, that you did not stop. He is pleased that you progressed, even though it was a difficult time. All right? Is Sam here? Sam. Yesterday, I think I've always said to you, I was so thrilled that you could give up your time, and so was God, that you could come to the prayer meeting yesterday, that you, you, you come and you gave a word as well, 
And you were bold and pleased in that. And God was really thrilled with you. And he wants to say, keep after me. You have a gift. You do have a gift. I've always told you that since you were little, haven't you? I've seen that gift developing and growing and growing and growing and growing in you. And God's saying, continue to grow in that. In Jesus' name, yeah? Reg. <laughs> Reg was one of the ones I, I prepped up for this. <laughs> Sorry, Reg, you came at just the right minute, so I feel this has got to be right for you. <laughs> Reg. Without Reg, this place would not function. Do you know that? Because he comes at 6 o'clock in the morning. He does the cleaning most mornings. He cleans upstairs. He does all the other bits and bobs that need doing, the cleaning of the filters and everything else. Reg... You're brilliant at that. We just want to honour you in that because you do a lot of hard work. Work that is of service, that's great for this, this, well, for this church, really, because if the toilets weren't clean, where would we be? We have the best toilets in Chertsey, thanks to Reg. We have people coming in to use the toilets because they know they're the best ones in toilet. So, Reg, I honour you in that. Great toilet cleaner. But also, God is laying on you a heart for those that are not, um, I'm using poor in inverted commas, all right? But people that are not in positions where they have everything, all right? And he's saying to you, you know them, you know their hearts, you know where they've been. I want to use you, okay? He will show you how, all right? You don't have to struggle that. He will show you how, but he wants to bless you, and he wants to say, well done, Reg. Okay? Okay. That's my boldness over with. (laughs) Okay. You can sit down now, Reg. It's all right. (laughs) Now, Peter and John were like courage buddies, yeah? They encouraged each other in that jail, you know, they were really, really good in that. I thank God for courage buddies in my life who've encouraged me to give pictures, words, they prayed for me, and I've been able to step out. So find a courage buddy, all right? I remember my friends, Sybil and Anne, giving me words and pictures to encourage me the first time I ever stood up to say something. All right? And boy, did I need some words of encouragement. And they gave them to me to give me. And it, and it made me step into something that I was really afraid of stepping in because I was afraid of what people would think of me being up here. I was afraid of it. But they gave me words that said, you don't have to be afraid because God is in this. Um, and it sort of broke that fear in me. Broke that fear of people. I'd like to encourage the prophetic in this church, to work more as a team, to encourage each other, all right? Everybody's got prophecy and things. Some of you might have more particular prophetic gifts, but to work together, to encourage each other, to to share with each other, to, to do those things. But also as a church and a family, we can encourage each other, all right? Let's start encouraging each other. 
not necessarily, you know, it's great. Now we could do it, you know, because Bridge came in and things like that. But, and I know we do it quietly, but let's encourage people. Let's big people up, all right? Not so that they get whacking great big heads, but because we honour them and we think they're great and they're fantastic. Now, uh, boldness and courage is never in the absence of fear, all right? But the decision that there is something more important than fear at stake. Having people around you who can remind you of this enables you to work into situations you never thought you would be able to do, all right? That's where your courage buddies come in. Now, the next thing us to work in, walk in boldness is being in God's presence. We've had quite a lot of teaching on God's presence, but I suppose an illustration this morning, which I'm going to put in, was I was sitting over there, Lizzie was over there with Ben, and Ben wanted to come to me. And I'd said to Dave previously, oh, I just want to be able to spend time in God's presence, so I'm, not, I'm going to move over here away from the children so I can sort of listen and things like that. But what happened was Ben was determined that he was going to come to me. Again, <laughs> stay fighting him back and holding him. So it's, we've got to kind of go for that with God. You know, we've got to be determined to get into his presence. There are many obstacles that can stop us. You know, there could be computers, there could be football games, there could be cooking, shopping, whatever. But we've got to get into that presence of God. All right? It's really important. Going back to the passage, Peter and the Sanhedrin also noted that Peter and John had been with Jesus. All right? They'd been with Jesus. They'd been in his presence for three years. They'd walked, they'd talked, they'd communicated with him. They'd eaten. They'd... uh, Shared, they'd gone through storms. Jesus, Peter had denied Jesus. Um, and after Jesus' resurrection, Peter had also spent time with him. All right? And he saw that Jesus was the Lord even over death. He learned more and more about him. He got to know him more and more. That's what, just what we're doing, just getting to know somebody, getting to know our friend. And, and he also knew that Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to be with him and John. And that happened at Pentecost. We need to continue to sit the seat to be in his presence, allowing the Holy Spirit to show us what God desires us to do. All right? Not just in church, but in our workplace, in our schools, in our neighbourhoods, in our relationships. So if we make enjoying God a priority, that's going to help us to do that. Because I love my grandchildren. I love them coming to me, and he loves us going to him. Now, at Catalyst, um, during one of the meetings, they brought down some of the children or brought in some of the children, not down, they brought in some of the children. What had happened, the children that morning had been praising and worshipping God, and they'd been encouraged to write down things on a piece of paper about, about 
people in the congregation. They'd been encouraged. And to sort of listen and see what they were going to say. And uh, they brought them down, and the children shared those words. Some of the children came and shared those words. They were bold. They were very bold this morning coming up here as well. That was a great illustration of boldness for the children as well. They were bold to do that, and we want our children to do that. And actually, Keith at the moment, not knowing what... I don't think it was about... I think it just came up as saying, is actually asking children upstairs if they have any words for people down here. Now, we might have some, we might not have come through. But they've come, if they come, they're coming with a bit of fear and trepidation. So I really want you to, if they do come, to really bless them when they do that, okay? So it's their boldness. They are stepping out. We encourage our children to step out as well. Encourage them to pray. Encourage them to do this. This is not in my notes, by the way. <laughs> Completely going off track here. Um, so... Going back on track again, when Peter and John returned to their friends, um, they share what's happened and immediately pray, as I said before. They get into the presence of God and ask for what they need at that time. To speak your word with great boldness is what they ask for. And as they prayed, they had an understanding of what, who God was and what he could do for them. They use the scripture, they use promises that he'd given them. And we can do that too. When we step out in boldness, use scripture, use promises, declare what God has already given us. Be bold in those things, particularly if we're praying for boldness in prayer. Use, the, use, you know, use them in prayer. When we are convinced... God gives us boldness through the Holy Spirit when our objective is to obey and glorify him. When we are convinced what we speak comes from God, we can have a great boldness knowing that what he gives us is life-changing and eternal. All right? Now, we can have two types of boldness. This is briefly, how am I doing for time? I think I've gone on too far. Very quickly, two types of boldness. I'll rush through this quickly. There's a worldly boldness, um, which is pushy and possibly confrontational. It would also um, thrive on popular approval, often ignoring caution and sensitivity. Boldness without discernment can lead to foolish words and risky behavior. That's a worldly boldness. We don't want that worldly boldness. We want the spiritual boldness with the Holy Spirit, which is motivated by love and a passion seeking the truth, and it works to destroy lives in people's lives. It speaks what is right, regardless of how terrifying the action. It's rarely self-centered, and um, because it requires us to set aside our natural desires for comfort and popularity. So very quickly, we don't want the worldly boldness. We want the spiritual boldness. I've already said about God measures obedience. We are raised to believe failure is bad, but in the kingdom there is no growth without heroic failure. As soon as, you, soon as your reputation exceeds your risk-taking, you have decided how far you are able to go. All right? To grow. God doesn't mind if we get it wrong. 
His love does not change. He wants us to have a go. Very quickly, I had a picture. Had to be a big picture, didn't it? <laughs> we can have boldness that is this size. Right? He gave me a picture of three stones. A pebble, or a group of pebbles. And we could be just using that boldness to, to step along going into. That could be just be our boldness. But as I was watching, that boldness starts to grow. So we've got a, a, bigger, a bigger stone, a bigger pebble. So if you think of your boldness, where's your boldness? Are you the little stone? And then from that, that grew even more, and that boldness became a, a bigger stone. All right? And if I'd have got a, a bigger rock, we could have had a, a bigger rock here. So your boldness can grow from here to there, to there, to there. But just want you to think, where are you in your boldness? You're partnering with our Holy Spirit, so you're not doing it on your own. Okay? You're partnering with the Holy Spirit. So you need to, to grow that boldness on. Now, the application for this is it that you simply learn more about Jesus, that you need to more about Jesus to overcome the fears of what your friends might think about you, to be bold to ask about Jesus a bit more? Is it that? Is it to follow through the thoughts and the nudges, like, go and talk to them, go and give them this, go and buy them a bike, pay for their shopping, something like Is it those sort of nudges? Is it to learn, learning to be bold in prayer, using promises and things to... Um, just like Lisa was, she was bold in prayer. Is it to do that? Is it to ask the Holy Spirit to help you? Um, we already said about to, to pray big prayers, all right? Is it to pray miracles? Should we, you know, we could be praying miracles for Steve. We, you know, we are asking for healing for Steve. We want miracles for Steve. We want that kidney. In the name of Jesus, I pray that kidney will be restored. In Jesus' name, amen. All right? We've done it. Okay? God can do it. All right? Um, now, that's a bit heroic, wasn't it? <laughs> no, don't go back on that. Oh. Um, is it to move out and share words and pictures? Um, like Sam yesterday stepped out, gave a picture upstairs. Is it to encourage someone in your workplace or neighborhood, offering to pray for them? Um, is it praying for hots on the street for healing? Right, lots of things that we can sort of step out in boldness. Um, and sometimes I think that instead of sharing stories of success, maybe we also need to honour and share stories of heroic failure. <laughs>